Hi, everybody. How you doing? It, it must be feeling really random to be seeing a FritzCast episode go up on Friday. What, what the hell is that about? Let me tell you a little bit all about it. Funky theme going on, right? Bensound.com. It's actually titled Badass. Bensound.com. How y'all doing? It's your pal Fritz, and it is Friday. It's Friday, January 27th, 2017. I know what you're thinking. Fritz, you're like a Monday's show type of guy. What the hell are you doing with a, with a Friday edition of the Fritzcast? Well, I told you guys I would be starting up some different uh, things for the program. And this is just one of the many different ways we can do things. Uh, I Let me give you the uh, the concept behind the whole Fridays with Fritz. It kind of started with the other day my wife said something about, you should probably record more than one podcast episode a week. And I said, why do you say that? <laughs> and she said, you know, sometimes too much stuff goes on and you try to cover it in one episode and it's like nine billion topics. And she's right. That's That's a fact. The weeks can get very hectic, and it can be hard to keep up with all the information going on out there. And then, you know, I've said before, try to focus, try to, like, you know, make episodes more narrow. Like, this is a good opportunity, I think. Let me tell you something about this. Uh, This is something new that I want to start up occasionally. I don't want to do it every Friday. I don't want to do it, like, every other Friday. I don't want to make a commitment to it being even a monthly show. But uh, it's a good opportunity, especially with a lot of events occurring during the week, and there's just massive information to tear through. Sometimes it's better to tackle it subject by subject. So that is, that's my attempt here, and I could break it up. Today it's another podcast episode, and it's probably, I intend for these to be on the shorter, shot, the shorter side of things, not an, you know, an hour long tirade about what's going on in the news and politics, but maybe just one facet of it, one subject, one angle of it, and focus on that. And one of the things that popped into mind, uh, one of the issues that's been going on in the past several weeks is uh, President Trump's executive orders. And that's a word that I tend to cringe at. And not just with the not just with Trump, but I did so with President Barack Obama and retrospectively, uh, President George W. Bush. When I was growing up in late middle school, early high school, I was a George Bush supporter, and I worked with the local Delaware GOP in the 2004 election, trying to push you know President Bush for the Delaware region. And push the uh, the at that time the running Republicans in Delaware, uh, who included I believe it was uh, uh, William Swain Lee or Bill Lee for short. He was running for governor, and uh, me and my buds were very much backing him over. I believe at that time it was uh, Ruth Ann Minner running for re-election, and Bill Lee was running on the uh, platform that. State testing 
the Delaware State testing, uh, standardized testing, was pretty much wreaking havoc on our school systems, and we all hated it. We we didn't like it. We thought it took away from our education rather than build it up or really put anything in check. So we were behind Bill Lee, even though he lost and, and Bush didn't win Delaware. Delaware typically, over the past couple of decades, goes Democrat thanks to Newcastle County. That's something I'm going to be paying attention to now soon. I actually voted for Colin Benini for governor. He lost. Uh, John Carney won. And uh, I saw some. I saw a, a notice from one of my district representatives, I think, for the Delaware State Council or Senate. I wasn't entirely sure. But I follow her on Facebook, and she posted something about how Carney wants to have sit-downs uh, over the next couple of weeks, like coffee sit-downs, talking with the public about how they feel about Delaware's massive uh, budget crisis issues, $350 million gap in the budget, I believe. And if there's one thing I can say that's praiseworthy for that, uh, it would be that the Delaware Senate voted down pay raises for the upper echelon in Delaware, for the for the upper echelon government and some of the higher positions in the government. They voted down uh, a pay increase, which is I, I, a good initial first step. Uh, I'll analyze that more come Monday's show. Yeah, we're still doing Monday's show. How about that? Back to uh, back to my original point, though. Uh, so these executive orders, uh, retrospectively, looking back at Bush, I, I have a problem with executive orders in the sense that, uh, you know, I mean, what even are executive orders? What is the power behind them? What is the purpose of them? And that is actually something that I think I may focus on uh, on Monday's episode, specifically the history behind executive orders. I don't know a lot about executive orders, and I, I don't really know how they fit into constitutionality, uh, legality, and that kind of uh, that kind of perspective from it. You see, it's this this aspect, uh, uh, the executive orders, in particular. I can start to see why people, why why the masses truly fear uh, uh, President Donald Trump, and in reality, it's not actually President Trump you should fear, but really, power. Uh, let me play this clip, well crafted, from Jason Stapleton. Jason is a podcaster and entrepreneur out of Kansas City uh, who built his political philosophies off of uh, key libertarian principles. He runs the Jason Stapleton program. I believe that is a daily podcasted program, so five days a week. Uh, he usually live casts it on his Facebook page around, I want to say, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but you can catch it wherever you catch your podcast from, for example, SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Those are all the ones that I have it on. They're all there. Just type in Jason Stapleton and you'll find it. I want to play you this one clip of him talking about Donald Trump. No one ever feared for their life because Trump walked the earth. He could do whatever he wanted because it really didn't affect your life. He had no control over you. So whatever he was involved with, whatever game he was running, it didn't affect your life at all. 
He may have been a despicable person, but there was no need for you to fear him. What you fear is the power that he now wields. Republicans felt the same way eight years ago, by the way, after Obama was elected. And for them, it was gun rights and religious persecution, wasn't it? We all remember the gun, gun sh- prices shot up 200 300%. Obama called all of us bitter clingers. Progressives called us crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists. Right? It's kind of funny when the shoe's on the other foot. You start to oh, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of that way. I bought a gun. Those of you on the progressive left fear Trump because he is going to have control over you. He has the power to affect your personal life and the lives of those that you love, and he has threatened to use that power in a way that you find unthinkable. But let me ask you a very simple question. What if government had no power over your personal life? What if Donald Trump could make all the threats that he wanted, but he had no means to act on his evil desires? You see, everyone loves the benevolent dictator, or even the brutal one, as long as his wrath is pointed in the other direction. We are far too quick to relinquish our freedoms and our liberties on the promise that our benevolent leaders will crush our opposition. But every power used to control our political and social enemies can also be used to control us. Progressives cheered Obama when he used his unilateral power of executive orders to fast-track a left-wing agenda, circumventing our system of checks and balances. It's okay, they said. Screw the other side. They just hate fill-in-the-blank. They just want to hold back progress. But now that same power rests in the hands of a man who may use it to persecute them. It's scary. It really is. Now listen to me. This is important. The liberties, the liberties we trade for security, the powers we grant government are never returned. We as a people must be vigilant in ensuring that we are not tricked into trading away our individual liberties for the promise of a benevolent government because one day that government may turn tyrannical. I should have I should have braced you and told you that it was going to be a, a nice little clip, a nice little time frame of a clip. There, that was a, a message he came out with immediately following the election results that showed Donald Trump won the election, and it's profound. It, it is it is a way of looking at the current political landscape that I never really had thought of prior to this past election cycle. Up until now, I've kind of been half Republican, half Democrat. I was registered independent. Because the Republican Party doesn't serve me on one whole aspect of my political philosophy, and the Democrats don't serve me on a whole other half. That's what made me consider libertarianism. And the Libertarian Party is... Much like any other party, they have their own agenda that they're trying to follow. So it's not perfect by any means. And I'm starting to become more like Jason here. And not so much as calling me a libertarian or a member of the libertarian party, but somebody who's libertarian-minded, leaning, 
somebody who has principles that they stick to. I want you to think about what you just heard. And if you want to, go catch the whole... That wasn't the whole of the speech, but if you go on to his YouTube channel, Jason Stapleton Program, you can find that clip, you can find the whole episode. I suggest you listen to him. He's a very interesting, different perspective kind of fella out there. That brought me to this presidential executive orders and and what are these and 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 what do they do and i'm saving that for monday's show another aspect is you might have been thinking because of the news that uh, that donald trump has signed quite a few executive orders however he has in fact signed only 4 that number probably sounds a little small to you because of how much the news has been reporting and showing him sitting at his desk and signing these little booklets that they put in front of him and tell them what it's for. That's right. Four executive orders and eight presidential memorandums, which begs the question, what is a presidential memorandum and what's the difference between the two? Again, Monday show, I'm really going to focus on some of the history of presidential orders and the backstory to them. But I wanted to kind of take a, a an instance on its own where I can sit here and just go over the executive orders, the four executive orders that Donald Trump has signed into office versus the presidential memorandums. We can go over the difference later. This is a great time for me to put it out there, get it in your minds, and have it rolling on all cylinders up here in your brain for when we come to Monday. So uh, let's start at the beginning. The, the very first executive order that President Donald J. Trump signed almost immediately on January 20th was the executive order minimizing the economic burden of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act pending repeal. That would be what has been dubbed Obamacare, what has been freely referred to as Obamacare from both sides of the aisle. Its key takeaways are essentially that it's greenlighting the prompt repeal of Obamacare, preparing states for more flexibility and control to create a more free and open healthcare market. Now, as a libertarian, as a guy who thinks there should be less government and more market and freer market, that doesn't sound so bad. Okay, the second executive order that he signed, January 24th, was the executive order expediting environmental reviews and approvals for high-priority infrastructure projects. The purpose, and I'm reading directly from it now, The purpose is uh, infrastructure investment strengthens our economic platform, makes America more competitive, creates millions of jobs, increases wages for American workers, and reduces the cost of goods and services for American families and consumers. Too often, infrastructure projects in the United States have been routinely and excessively delayed by agency processes and procedures. 
These delays have increased project, pr- project costs and blocked the American people from the full benefits of an increased infrastructure investments, which are important to allowing Americans to compete and win on the world economic stage. Federal infrastructure decisions should be accomplished with maximum efficiency and effectiveness, while also respecting property rights. Huh, <laughs> funny, sidebar, because yeah, Donald Trump respects property rights. Back on. And protecting public safety and the environment. To that end, it is this policy of the executive branch to streamline and expedite in a manner consistent with law, environmental reviews and approvals for all infrastructure projects, especially projects that are highly that are high priority for the nation, such as improving the U.S. electric grid and telecommunication systems and repairing and upgrading critical port facilities, airports, pipelines, bridges, and highways. That was executive order number two. Executive order number three was enhancing public safety in the interior of the United States, signed January 25th. Purpose, interior enforcement of our nation's immigration laws is critically important to the national security and public safety of the United States. Many aliens who illegally enter the United States and those who overstay or otherwise violate the terms of their visas present present a significant threat to national security and public safety. This is particularly so for aliens who engage in criminal conduct in the United States. Sanctuary jurisdictions across the United States willfully violate federal law in an attempt to shield aliens from removal from the United States. These jurisdictions have caused immeasurable harm to the American people and to the very fabric of the republic. Tens of thousands of removable aliens have been released into communities across the country solely because of their home countries refuse to accept their reparation. Repetition. My bad. Repetition. Many of these aliens are criminal who have served time in our federal, state, and local jails. The presence of such individuals in the United States and the practices of foreign nations that refuse the repetition of their nationals are contrary to the national interest. That's the, uh, the, the immigration law that everybody's up in arms over. We have also my favorite so far and signed January 25th, the Executive Order on Border Security and Immigration Enforcement. Purpose, border security is critically important in the national security of the United States. Aliens who illegally enter the United States without inspection or admission present a significant threat to national security and public safety. Such aliens have not been identified or inspected by federal immigration officers to determine their admissibility to the United States. The recent surge of illegal immigration at the southern border with Mexico has placed a significant strain on financial resources and overwhelmed agencies charged with border security and immigration enforcement, as well as the local communities in which many of the aliens are placed. Transitional criminal organizations operate sophisticated drug and human trafficking networks and smuggling operations on both sides of the southern border, contributing to a significant increase in violent crime in the United States, deaths from dangerous drugs. Among those who illegally enter are those who seek to harm Americans through the acts of terror or criminal conduct. Continued illegal immigration presents a clear and present danger. Movie references. To the interests of the United States. That is uh, the wall. This is, this is about the wall. 
It is the policy of the executive branch to secure the southern border of the United States through the immediate construction of a physical wall on the southern border, monitored and supported by adequate personnel, so as to prevent illegal immigration, drug and human trafficking, and acts of terror. Detain individuals apprehended on suspension of violating federal or state law, including federal immigration law, pending further proceedings regarding these, those violations. Expedite determinations of apprehended individuals, claims of eligibility to remain in the United States. Remove promptly those individuals who legal, whose legal claims to the remain in the United States have been lawfully rejected and after appropriate civil or criminal sanctions have been imposed. And finally, to cooperate fully with the states and local law enforcement in enacting federal-state partnerships to enforce federal in- immigration priorities, as well as state monitoring and detention programs that are consistent with federal law and do not undermine federal immigration priorities. I'm not going to read any more of that. Now, uh, without getting into detail of the memorandums that he signed, I'll just give you the headlines here. Uh, 24th Presidential Memorandum Streamlining, Permitting, and Reducing Regulatory Burdens for Domestic Manufacturing. Presidential Memorandum Regarding Construction of American Pipelines. That's the Dakota Access Pipeline. But there's also another one, Presidential Memorandum Regarding the Construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline. The Presidential Memorandum Regarding the Construction of the Keystone XL Pipeline. The Presidential Memorandum Regarding the Hiring Freeze. Memorandum regarding the withdrawal of the United States from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Negotiations and Agreement. Memorandum regarding the Mexico City policy. That's the one that's got everybody up in arms about uh, the abortion thing. And not, not abortion on the home front internationally, globally. Now, did you know that that wasn't a, a presidential executive order? It's a memorandum from the president, not an executive order. Which is, it's funny, it's telling, because the news would have you think that all these were executive orders. There's only four executive orders and eight memorandums. So I want you to keep these all in mind and do your own research on them. Come Monday. Come Monday. I'm doing an episode and... and It's going to cover, obviously, the hot news topics that have been going on. I could talk about them now, but I would literally be ranting. And there's a lot to rant about. For example, the executive order on the border wall. If you caught Donald Trump's speech, well, not speech, if you caught his interview with uh, ABC News, he was asked point blank, okay, you signed this executive order, Who's paying for it? And now it's talk of not how Mexico is going to pay for the border wall, but, oh, at a later date, uh, we'll be, uh, you know, reimbursed through some kind of deal. Mexico, the Mexican, the president of Mexico just canceled a meeting with Trump. And why wouldn't you, when you're getting pushed around by a guy saying he's going to make you pay for something that you're not even asking for? For a problem that isn't actually directly your responsibility. If you ask me. I, I, and I'll dive more into that come Monday. But keep all these presidential executive orders and memorandums in mind. I'm going to split down what the difference between the two are on on Monday. 
and really dive into some of the history of it and and really have a discussion on whether or not what 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 the extent of these presidential orders should be and whether or not they've, you know, been abused. That's something that is scary. We always talk about how the president uh, is more of a figurehead. Well, I mean, if we're looking at it objectively, honestly, we've we've allowed the system to kind of fail us a little bit because it's it's not so much There's less of checks and balances going into play if if the president can get a little booklet set in front of him of executive orders. And all he has to do is take a pen to paper and ink his name on it for it to be the word. That's kind of nuts. It's when you hear things like that that you start to understand some of the apprehensions people have against Donald J. J. Trump as president. But a lot of those same people didn't really look at this or think about it while President Obama was doing it. Or when President Bush was doing it. Executive orders have been around for quite a long time. Quite a long time. So, with that being said, I'd really like to get your guys' thoughts and share them on the show on Monday. So, you can tweet me. I'm at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S, on Twitter. You can email me at at FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. You can hit up on the Facebook page and share your thoughts. Think about, you know, I, I want your thoughts on presidential executive orders memorandums, how far extent you think they should have, how much how much validity and ironclad should they be. And if you have any particular tidbit information or, or any particular executive order that comes to mind that either scares you or you agreed with, share it my way. It'll be in the episode on Monday. That's going to do it for me, though. I want you all to have a good weekend this weekend. Get ready. For Monday. My main show, Monday. Catch up if you're behind. Thanks for taking a listen, though. If you want to read up on these presidential orders and memorandums, go to whitehouse.gov, go to the briefing room, and there's a tab in the briefing room called Presidential Actions. You can click that, you'll see every action that Donald Trump takes as he takes it, full press release, full text. They're not that long. They're very short, maybe a couple pages. Read up on them. 